Hello, I'm Harley Schlanger. Welcome to our weekly dialogue with Helga Zepp-LaRouche, the founder and chairwoman of the Schiller Institute. It's January 6, 2022. It's our first discussion of the new year. It's coming on the anniversary of the dramatic events in the United States a year ago at the end of the Trump administration. We also are in a, a period of, of intense uh, crisis, uh, potential diplomatic activity to address it. Uh, why don't we start with the coincidence of the uh, coming meetings, the NATO foreign ministers meeting, the US-Russia strategic dialogue and so on, with the outbreak of what looks like a color revolution in Kazakhstan. Helga, do you think there's a connection there? Well, if you would have asked me a week ago, <clears throat> do you expect some effort to disturb the diplomatic offensive coming mainly from Russia and China to diffuse what was building up clearly as a double Cuban crisis with the development around Ukraine and Taiwan, I would have said one should absolutely expect a provocation to disrupt these meetings. And here we are. Now, uh, let me first state the <clears throat> positive uh, aspect. I mean, there was a certain breakthrough announced just a few days ago that for the first time, the P5 UN nations, that is the permanent five uh, nuclear uh, armed uh, nations, uh, agreed <clears throat> on reaffirming the <clears throat> uh, very important uh, uh, statement which was negotiated between Gorbachev and President Reagan at the time that a nuclear war can never be won and therefore must never be fought. Uh, and this was the first time <clears throat> that the, these five uh, nuclear powers agreed on such a statement. This has never happened before. So that as such is a very important breakthrough, but naturally all the uh, <clears throat> interested parties and observers uh, have to also note that now the words must be followed by deeds <clears throat> and that a statement as such, while it is extremely important, does not yet diffuse the crisis around Ukraine nor the crisis around Taiwan. Uh, but, you know, as I said, it's a very first important step. And then naturally we have these other meetings you just mentioned uh, <clears throat> on January 10th and 11th, the US-Russia strategic stability talks in Geneva, which are also supposed to discuss uh, <clears throat> the US response to Putin's demand that uh, these two treaties be signed, where he demands that the, NATO, that the United States and NATO must give guarantees that Ukraine is never been uh, invited or taken into NATO, and secondly, that NATO uh, will not expand further to the east towards, towards the borders of Russia. Now that demand, Putin has drawn the red line and he said, <clears throat> you know, this is um, not, not a negotiation uh, posture, but this, he insists, has to be signed. And if it's not signed, it will have a traumatic response because it, it pertains to the very vital existential security interests of Russia. So, you know, then this was supposed to be in Geneva the next day on uh, January 12th, 
die NATO-Russia-Meeting uh, in Brussels, uh, where now all of a sudden there will be a preparatory NATO foreign minister meeting on the 7th, that is tomorrow, uh, and the <clears throat> Russian, uh, I think, Deputy Foreign Minister Khrushchev already said, you know, this is uh, not, not good because whenever these foreign ministers meet, it's um, more trouble. So this may actually even, you know, make it more difficult for this uh, summit uh, in Brussels. And then one day later in Vienna, the OSCD discussion around the same subject. So this, you know, is a diplomatic framework in the context of which, you know, certain steps could be expected, certain progress uh, hopefully would come out. <clears throat> and, you know, therefore naturally what has erupted now in Kazakhstan, um, you know, is uh, is really extremely ominous and we have to make a full investigation of the elements which are going into it. Now, formally, <clears throat> these uh, unrests which erupted within two days in many cities in obviously a coordinated way, uh, quite violent <clears throat> in Almaty, the uh, uh, government building was occupied. So, <clears throat> This was triggered formally by the uh, elimination of subsidies by the government for the gas prices, which doubled as a consequence and the population reacted uh, very strongly uh, to that, given the fact that the inflation rate in Kazakhstan was already uh, severe. But then, <clears throat> um, you know, within hours really, or a day at most, uh, something else happened. The demonstrations against the gas price were, <clears throat> um, you know, added or had an added element by a lot of NGOs uh, who brought in the typical kind of color revolution demands like democracy, um, uh, human rights, freedom of speech, all the things we normally know from other color revolutions. And it now appears <clears throat> that uh, the former energy and environment minister, whose name is something like, I, I, don't, don't, I, I don't have it right now, uh, that he who has been, he was in jail because of embezzlement in Kazakhstan. <clears throat> then um, he uh, had exile and has, has, has exile in France. And now it seems that he is coordinating these demonstrations from Kiev. Uh, via Facebook. I mean, this needs to be verified and, you know, this is very hot information um, because, you know, developed uh, events are sort of uh, <coughs> galloping. <clears throat> so one has to take all of that with a, a grain of salt, but that's what it looks like. And um, he was known, this banker, a previous banker also was known uh, to be the main opponent of uh, Nazarbayev, who resigned two years ago, and uh, it seems that he is uh, trying uh, to topple uh, even the present uh, government. So, uh, you know, this would completely fit, you know, and then naturally the present government has called uh, SESTO, uh, that is the security organization which involves many of the states 
Kazakhstan, some of the Central Asian republics, Russia, Georgia, uh, and uh, has called the troops in from this SESTO organization. They are already on the ground. Um, and naturally, there is a, a strong Russian component among these soldiers, but this is all legal because the president called them in for you know, defense, and that's a completely le legitimate thing. But it is ominous, nevertheless, that this occurs just days before these extremely important diplomatic meetings take place. Then, naturally, uh, one thing one has to investigate is, um, you know, what actually led to this increase of the gas price, because all of a sudden, you know, market price reforms were introduced, which led to this increase of the prices, which triggered the whole thing. Um, and that, again, you know, is a typical MO that some legitimate protests are then mixed with these color revolution uh, things. Uh, and there are many NGOs in, um, in Kazakhstan uh, financed by the West. Uh, and this has all the earmarks of what happened at the Maidan in 2014. Uh, the MO is exactly the same. Uh, there is possibly an ISIS component because uh, a little while ago, some of the previous ISIS uh, fighters were repatriated with their families. So one, that's exactly what happened also in the Maidan, that the very violent component of these demonstrations uh, were ISIS. And so this is a very complex situation. Uh, and naturally, uh, also to be investigated is the role of Tony Blair, who is an advisor to the government. And, you know, whenever Tony Blair is involved in anything, you better watch out because Tony Blair was the father of the endless wars. He declared the right to protect. Uh, he advised the U.S. Uh, in their health reforms way back which you know, led to the privatization of the health reforms, which you know, was basically a dismantling of, of health care. Uh, and naturally, the fact that he was now knighted by the queen to the highest order of the British Empire uh, is a complete uh, farce, uh, given his long list of uh, wrongdoings, to put it mildly. And it is not a miracle that in Great Britain, within three days, uh, more than 700,000 uh, people signed the opposition to this, uh, him being ordered a knight. Now, this is an anachronism uh, all by itself. In the modern times, to have the monarchy uh, knighting uh, somebody for their, for their services is, is really like of a fairy tale from the Middle Ages. But fortunately, there seems to be some strong opposition against this in Great Britain. And fortunately, this will highlight uh, the evil role of, of Blair uh, all the more. But this is very dangerous, uh, what is happening in Kazakhstan, and we will go on a full investigation of all the elements uh, involved. There are elements of Soros, uh, Soros financing, NGO financing. And you know if this turns out to be a, a Western instigated effort to derail these diplomatic meetings, uh, which are extremely important because we are on the verge of a Cuban Missile Crisis, much worse in a certain sense because people are less cool-headed 
on the side of the transatlantic uh, uh, alliance, uh, then this will be uh, something which needs the gravest attention and, and alert of the whole population. Already the Biden spokesman, Jen Psaki, uh, came out and said that there's no evidence of a U.S. involvement and it's just usual Russian disinformation. So they're already expecting that there would be an investigation. Now, on the strategic situation, there's another significant development. The new foreign minister from Germany, uh, Annalena Baerbach, met with Tony Blinken yesterday. Uh, th again, this is in the buildup toward the upcoming meetings. And it appears as though there, there may be some possible change going on within the new German government. But from the meeting, it sounds as though Blinken and Baerbach were on the same, singing the same tune about Russia. Yeah, my characterization of uh, Baerbock as a, a NATO uh, um, loudspeaker, uh, you know, which I said many months ago, unfortunately seems to be exactly uh, right. I mean, this woman, um, I think it's the worst possible, uh, you know, post she could have uh, for her to represent Germany in this extremely dangerous moment, completely sign uh, with uh, Blinken, who is even, you know, more bellicose than Biden. Uh, and he has just been running around the world trying to get the anti-China alliance uh, in in the Pacific, and you know, I mean, this is just for for a German foreign minister to be so uh, so absolutely unconscious of unconscious of the history of you know the 20th century, the role Germany played in the war against Russia in the Second World War, <coughs> which caused 27 million lives to be lost, the very generous role of Russia in the a period of the German unification. And, you know, one should not forget, and we talked about that uh, last week, we just published a chronology uh, which makes, based on authentic documents, makes absolutely clear that it was not Russia's fault what happened in Ukraine or any other place. It was the continuous breaking of NATO, of uh, by NATO, of uh, promises not to expand to the East and many other such uh, uh, broken promises and, and, and clear-cut provocations. So now for Baerbock to, you know, just rush to, to the United States to try to meet with Blinken and Pelosi and then turn around and not in the slightest try to get involved in a dialogue with Russia, which would be much more urgent at this point, given what's at stake, namely the existence of Germany. Because if this Cuban crisis goes in the wrong way, the first country to vanish is Germany because of the US nuclear weapons, which are located in, in, German, in Germany. So I think this is absolutely uh, horrible and hopefully one can only hope that uh, Chancellor Scholz, who has announced a new start in the relationship with Russia, that he pulls in um, this spare book. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, this is this is disgusting. I mean, this is like, you know, I mean, I, I can hardly find words for such a uh, such a behavior, which is um, to say it's unpatriotic 
is the un understatement of the year. I think it's uh, it's it's really a NATO puppet, this woman. So I think this will hopefully <clears throat> lead to her early resignation um, because you know the, the self-interest of Germany and, and such a person in such a post are incompatible. Helga, let me pose a, a broader question to you, which is that the discussion around this whole upcoming conference with Putin's demands for these new treaties, uh, the whole question of in the background now, people are starting to worry about the Russia-China alliance. Does this change things? Uh, some people are even saying the U.S. should pull back from the threats against Russia because that's driving Russia towards China. But this is the old geopolitical handbook. I mean, is it possible that they don't understand that Eurasian integration represents a positive development, not just for Russia and China, but for the West? And that's always been the, the position that you and your late husband took. Well, I think what becomes very, very clear is that, you know, the cooperation within Eurasian, Eurasia along the Eurasian land bridge, what then became the new Silk Road and now the new Silk Road becoming the world land bridge, exactly as we have been working on for the last 30 years and in reality much longer, but let's say last 30 years, <clears throat> that that is in the self-interest of all the people of Eurasia, of industry, of labor, of, you know, just people of goodwill who want to have a peaceful uh, future uh, is one thing, but then it is also clear that those people who think in terms of empire, uh, you know, the interest of London, of uh, Wall Street, of Silicon Valley, and of Frankfurt, one has to add, uh, they have a different perspective because they need to expand the empire, they need to continue to suck the blood out of the colonies as we are seeing it in respect to the third world. And they naturally um, think that they have to be on this uh, bellicose uh, perspective. Um, and I think that that needs to be made clearer because you know the, all the problems we have, uh, let it be you know, the disgusting behavior in respect to Afghanistan or the effort to prevent the developing countries from developing, uh, the absolute incompetence in the way the pandemic was handled, all of that comes from the fact that in most capitals in the West, in the United States and in Europe, you have governments which really are not pursuing the interest of the common good, but are pursuing the interest of, uh, you know, the big banks, the financial oligarchy, uh, big pharma, the cartels, maximization of profit and they have you know they have uh, managed to put in governments which are mouthpieces of their interest and this is why in many countries of the transatlantic world the population increasingly react with such a mistrust against the governments in the united states for example uh, i was told yesterday by some of our colleagues that more than 200 uh, congressmen are super rich millionaires. Um, the others get millions from Wall Street because to have a congressional seat costs at least $5 million for a Senate seat. You have 
to 10 times pay as much. So, you know, it's a plutocracy. This has almost nothing to do anymore with democracy. And in Europe, with the parliamentarian system, uh, it is uh, absolutely uh, the same thing. And, you know, you can see now with the coalition government that it doesn't really matter what you vote. You can vote green, you can vote liberals, you can vote social democrats, and you get all the same uh, cocktail uh, because they, they make a compromise. And so it doesn't matter what you vote. It just demonstrates that this parliamentarian system and the way the presidential system in the United States has uh, been undermined, uh, that that is really not representing what is in the constitution of the United States, uh, the need to respect the common good, and which is also in the basic law in Germany, uh, which uh, the chancellor and I think also the ministers have to swear an oath when they take office namely that they will further the common good of the people and pr protect them against uh, damage. They are not doing that. And uh, I think this is a very dangerous mix because this all shows you in all of these areas I touched upon. And that means we need a mobilization of the population to force a reversal of this, a new paradigm in politics, uh, which puts the common good up front. And that is a very practical question, even if people are not used to think this way. But we need a 100% turnaround because this confrontation uh, against Russia and China is suicidal. Well, toward that end, uh, you were uh, again bringing up the importance of an intervention on Afghanistan, where David Beasley has once again warned that there are 8.7 million people on the brink of starvation. And I think he said 23 million people are facing that in the near future, unless there's a change. And yet the West has still not moved on this. The money has not been unfrozen yet, despite some motion on this. And I understand the Schiller Institute will be holding an emergency conference on this. Uh, this really would be one area where there could be cooperation uh, that would resolve some of these tensions, wouldn't it? Well, you know, I mean, we have started to mobilize for Afghanistan actually since July, even before the Taliban uh, took over. And, you know, we have been now involved with this for four months, a little bit more than four months. And despite our efforts to, you know, put pressure on the governments to unfreeze the funds from Afghanistan, which they illegally are holding, nothing has happened. Uh, you know, the uh, so-called donor countries uh, who had basically financed 75% of the budget of Afghanistan up to the point the U.S. left, cut this off suddenly. So as the Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan said in a recent speech, everybody knew when that money was cut, 75% of the budget, they threw the Afghan economy into a complete chaos. And that is now why you have a complete collapse of the economy uh, in Afghanistan, no food, no money to import food, no medical supplies. And you have a genocide occurring in front of everybody's eyes, except that the media in the West stopped reporting about it uh, already since several months. 
So given the fact that they count on the short memory of the population, you know, nothing is happening. But, you know, I, yesterday I, I raised this in a, in a major way. What does it say about the West when we wittingly let the Afghan people die? Uh, Eight million uh, people or, you know, almost nine million people dying right away are in the process of dying. We hear the incredible stories about babies freezing to death, mothers having no milk for the babies, um, parents uh, which are completely out of any means to even buy food for one day are selling their children for $40. I mean, this is unbelievable. And this is a mirror of the morality of the West. So I'm calling upon you uh, to help us to mobilize uh, to implement Operation Ibn Sina, which is the idea to start with a health system, uh, modern hospitals in Afghanistan, and then take that as the beginning to build up the economy in the context of the Belt and Road Initiative. This must be done. Uh, and, you know, I think, you know, the, the, what people have to understand is that the moral indifference, the depraved indifference the world is showing uh, or the Western world is showing towards Afghanistan. That is the same reason why people tolerate the behavior of the governments in respect to not managing, managing the pandemic. You know, the whole privatization of the health sector, you know, after two years of the pandemic, we should realize that this is not functioning as long as you have profit in the health sector. You know, right now in the United States, the Omicron wave is out of control. And even if this is less lethal than the Delta, um, the fact that, you know, this is overwhelming the health system, uh, the governor of Maryland has just declared an emergency. This may happen in many more states because the health sector is completely at the edge. Uh, but that negligence not to protect the own population by building new hospitals, they closed hospitals during the pandemic in the United States and in Germany as well. So I think we need a complete reversal in priorities and the population has to wake up that their indifference, your indifference, some of you, against Afghanistan is what allows these rotten policies to go on in our own countries. And we have to have a mobilization uh, for a new paradigm, both within our countries and also among the relations among nations, uh, because, you know, these are the same expressions of the same problem in, 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 in the system. And I would urge people to go to the Schiller Institute website and get the new Schiller Institute memo. Are we sleepwalking into thermonuclear World War III? This is the chronology you mentioned before. It will give you everything you need to know about the need to use these upcoming diplomatic meetings to move to a, a new security architecture as part of a move to a new paradigm. So Helga, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you again next week. Yes, but we also have the year of La Rouge. So we will uh, tell you more about our activities in this respect in the coming days. Very good. See you next week.
Till next week.